What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Everything Email Podcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joe Tillery, and it is a beautiful day. And I'll get this out of the way here. This is my third time recording the intro because I, I don't know if you've followed along with my story. I've kind of been out of, the, out of the office for a bit, jumping around trying to figure out a stable spot to set up my computer and my mic and everything, just based off of different tra- changing plans in the last couple of weeks. And nonetheless, some of my settings have been flipped up. So the microphone has sounded like hot garbage each time I've pressed record on this. So here's to hoping things are a little bit better in this episode starting now. But that being said, we're going to try here. We're going to get things going. I talked for seven minutes before I realized it sounded bad this past time. So we're going to flip that on its head and try again. This is what we got to say today. Guys, we've got a massive game coming up this weekend. K-State taking on Missouri. It's going to be a great one. I'll give you all my thoughts, my pregame you know, predictions. But before I do, let me tell you this. If you've enjoyed the show, if you've listened to it a couple of times, even if this is your first time, if you enjoy the content, if you enjoy the cats, go ahead and consider leaving us a rating on the show. We're trying to get more ratings on each show, so go ahead and hit that. Leave a five-star rating or review for this sense, wherever you get it at. It could be Spotify, Apple Music, you know, wherever else you get your podcasts. Set up a five-star review. Send that over to Pete Mundo. Screenshot that, and he will send you back a Heartland College Sports koozie. You will find him at Pete Mundo. That's M-U-N-D-O at heartlandcollegesports.com. Get you a koozie. It's not summer, but keep your beers cold this fall. We've got to talk about some Kansas State football, some Wildcat football, back to business, baby. 2-0 and heading into Missouri. It's going to be a massive game. And while I know people have a lot of extra momentum, a lot of extra energy when playing Missouri, this is a rivalry-adjacent game. You know, I'm not going to sit here and call it a rivalry because obviously there's been hiccups in the last decade in terms of, you know, competitive, I don't even know if competitive advantage is the right word. There's just a difference in level of program in the last decade. Since Missouri left for the SEC, that rivalry has kind of lost itself a little bit. Not just because Missouri and Kansas State used to be in the same conference, used to have that in-state, you know, semi-in-state, obviously Missouri in a different state, but close by. They had the border war type thing going. Obviously that's Kansas's thing, but the rivalry has kind of pivoted and you hear the guys talk about it. People aren't pissed off at Missouri. They don't say, oh, it's Mizzou. We got to beat Mizzou. It's Mizzou week, everybody. You know, the players aren't saying that. They're saying they're an SEC team. The Big 12 is better. We got to compete for the Big 12. We're going to show these guys that they made a mistake. It's not necessarily, you know, because they're yellow and black or they have a tiger. It's kind of a little bit different now. Things have changed a little bit, but I'll tell you what it does matter for. There's a chunk of things. One, absolute bragging rights. If you want to talk about a matchup like this, talk about the history. Go down to any lake in Kansas or Missouri. You'll see different flags flying for each team. K-State, KU, Missouri. Who wants to be the guy throwing people beers in a K-State koozie after losing by 30? Or who wants to be the guy throwing people beers wearing a Missouri hat after the team gets blown out by 45 points to Will Howard and the boys? Nobody wants to be that guy. That's the first thing that matters. Second of all, absolutely recruiting. Absolutely recruiting. And while guys like K-State's top targets, you know, Grant Bricks, Michael Boganowski, aren't necessarily picking between K-State and Missouri... They're looking at K-State, they're looking at Kansas, they're looking at Oklahoma, Nebraska. Yes, Missouri has had some big recruits, but you got to think about guys like Felix Sandy D.K. Uzama. Got to think about guys like Phillip Brooks. The guys that go from Lee Summit or they're in the Kansas City area, Missouri side, Kansas side, whichever one you want to say, they look at three schools. And yes, I'm aware, I'm aware that Kansas hasn't been super relevant this past decade. That's changed. Lance Leipold has changed that. Coming out of Kansas City High School, you're probably considering KU at least a little bit. You know, you got K-State with Chris Kleiman, you got Kansas with Lance Leipold, and you got Missouri with Eli Drinkwitz. And I don't mean to say that in a different tone just for, you know, dramatic effect. It's pretty clear and obvious that that is kind of the worst pick, I would say. And I don't mean to just say he's a bad guy or a bad coach, but you see a program like Kansas State. You go win the Big 12. You got Chris Kleiman, 
the second coming of Bill Snyder, but in his own way. I mean, he established the family thing alongside with what Snyder did. Like, he took that and ran with that. He did his own thing. Kleiman's added into the culture. Then you shift to Lance Leipold at Kansas. Kansas has had a bunch of middle school dodgeball coaches coaching their program the last couple of years. Lance Leipold is a dude. He's a certified guy. Like, he's got the program headed for relevance again. Like, more than anything in program history. You know, first bowl game in over a decade under Leipold. And that's not going to stop. Jalen Daniels looks like an actual NFL athlete. Like, they've got great things happening at Kansas. And then you go to Missouri. And I get that they've landed some big names in recruiting. You know, Luther Burden was a top player. Guy's unbelievable. They just landed a defensive lineman that's top five in the country. It just feels like Missouri doesn't have what it takes to produce NFL players. And they have in the past. Don't get me wrong. For a while, they were producing NFL defensive linemen every other year. That's changed. That has absolutely changed. And if you want to sit there and tell me it's Eli Drinkwitz, I'm not going to be the guy to point fingers or thumbs here. I would agree with you. I don't sit here and say that that guy's a bum or he's some, you know, undeserving coach, but you've got to be a little bit antsy if you're the head of the department or the head of the program looking at Kansas and Kansas State and saying, they've got their guys and they're winning in recruiting, they're winning games, they're winning in their conference. Like, obviously Kansas, you can make the argument, whatever, I'm not going to even go there. They're winning games. Both programs are nationally relevant to an extent. Missouri, who had been nationally relevant in the Big 12, obviously early on in the SEC, they made some noise. Since things have kind of changed up with head coaches, the program has fallen more and more off the map. Yes, you're in the SEC, and I will never be able to take that away from them. However, they're riding on the coattails of the Georgias of the world, the Alabamas of the world. They're SEC adjacent, I would say. Because when you lose to a team that, like, Missouri fans are so unbothered by K-State in their own world. Same thing with KU. You know, they're, they're both unbothered by Big 12 teams. Not, not they're both, sorry. Missouri is bothered is unbothered by both Big 12 teams for Kansas and Kansas State in their own mind. However, when Chris Kleiman beats you 40-6, to 40-12, to 12, if you take out the calling a timeout with a second left, that was a dumb thing, but you know what? I'm not even mad about that. I'm just going to roll with it. But you don't worry about that. 40-12, to 12, you still blow out Missouri. You get that game in the back of your mind. Then you got to look at them again, and they're a top 15 team in the country, and they're coming to your house and this is after you narrowly escaped in week two to a significantly inferior opponent, 23-19. to This game matters for Eli Drinkwitz. Absolutely. And I hate to be the, like, this is their Super Bowl. I'm never going to do that. That's just a lame thing to say. So I apologize. I'm not going to make that the thing. However, for his career, this is a massive game. You have to win this game if you're Eli Drinkwitz. And it's not to say you're going to get fired immediately after losing to Chris Kleiman. Because obviously, you're not supposed to win this game. I mean, you're not favored in the matchup. It's a top 15 team but you will be expected to compete. And the thing is, Brady Cook, still a question mark. I mean, half the fan base hates the guy, half the fan base thinks he's Patrick Mahomes. From what I've gathered, I haven't talked to a ton of people from Missouri, but that's the gist of what I've gotten. You need someone to take the next step to relevance. The SEC is the hardest, I mean, it's a hard conference to compare against. You know, you're not going to go in there and beat an Alabama or a Georgia every week. But a team like Missouri, you know, you're kind of falling closer to that Vanderbilt role than you are to the top dogs. Things need to change. And I tell you what, Drinkwitz, I know he's got some major recruiting wins, but he hasn't developed that to a winning team, to a winning culture. And then you look at Chris Kleiman, you look at Lance Leipold, the culture is great in both those places. If you go in at home, if K-State beats you by, say they win by 14 points and it's not close, or maybe 21 points, it's a better example. 14's a little bit too close. 21 points, you lose at home to K-State for the second straight year you lose to K-State. People are going to start scratching heads unless you put out a, churn out an eight-win season. I feel like 
If Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri wins six games, he could be done at the end of the year. It's a very real possibility. You know, you keep seeing these things that he says, like, this week he's going super viral for not knowing who Colin Klein is, which, I mean, he knows who Colin Klein is. He's just, he's trying to be funny or some type of, like, cheeky thing. I didn't really pick up on it fully. I couldn't understand it, to be honest. But, like, it just feels like this game has so many implications. And to K-State's example, I'll stop talking about Missouri specifically, but this game matters to you as well. You have to win this game for recruiting to solidify, okay, we're a team that can handle the charge. You know, you learned a lot in the first couple of weeks, and I know that K-State fans have a little bit of the, well, when's it going to come crashing down? You know, and I'm not speaking for everybody, but I know that most tenured K-State fans, outside of last season because it was so fresh and so great, there's a little bit of that, well, they'll let me down at some point. Somewhere along the way, someone out here is going to mess something up. We're going to get to that. We'll get to a bowl game. We won't get to the championship game. It's how it works. This is your test because Missouri isn't a team of scrubs. I'll be honest. Even though they don't have everything hammered out. They've got a good front seven. They've got good skill positions, a decent enough quarterback to win this game. This matters because it shows, okay, we can handle business. Even when people are riding with us, even when people are riding against us, we don't worry about that. You're a five-point favorite headed on the road. That's fine. You know, the spread doesn't matter in this case too much. I think it will be about a touchdown game or a 10-point game, 14-point game for K-State. But I just don't see it being a point where it's just chalked up as a, ah, it's the non-con game. I mean, you see the energy from everybody. You see the excitement from everybody. This is Will Howard's moment, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Colin Klein is competitive. Chris Kleiman is competitive. You know, if they weren't competitive guys, they wouldn't be coaching. That's not breaking news. I'm not going crazy with that. But the mild-mannered professional of them, you know, they have this professionalism to both of them where they're not going to get too riled up in big moments unless it's something like the petty stuff that you see in college football. This week, I mentioned it earlier, Eli Drinkwitz was asked basically about K-State, and he talked about Chris Klein and said, yeah, they've got good things going over there. And then when he was primed to talk about Colin Klein, the offensive coordinator, he goes, yeah, there's, you know, the offense looks good. I think, uh, um, you know, uh, CK over there, I think they call him CK. I think he does a good job running their offense. Dude, what are you doing? Why would you say that? You're giving so much bulletin board material to a top 15 team in the country. You're giving those dudes extra motivation to come in your house and beat you? That's crazy. And let me tell you what, why this matters. Colin Klein's not going to care. I mean, yes, he's going to care, but he's going to see that and be, okay, well, you know, focus either way, game. Chris Klein is not going to see that. He, you know, he's going to see that and then he's going to move on and say, oh, okay, whatever. Neither of them are going to chalk this up to anything. But I'll tell you who will. Every single player on that roster, and especially Will Howard. Will Howard and Colin Klein have quickly developed to the point where each of them sees the game through each other's eyes. If that's not painfully clear by now, then I don't know what team we've been watching, but Colin Klein and Will Howard are one and the same in the sense that they both see the game similar. Obviously, they're different players, different athletes, different backgrounds, but they've developed that relationship. Will Howard is going to see this situation, and he's going to make sure that Eli Drinkwitz knows who Colin Klein is. You know, he's the same quarterback that put up 40 touchdowns in his junior year and beat Missouri in route to one of the best college football careers of all time especially in Big 12 history, especially in K-State history. That's who Colin Klein was. You know, I had so many people chime in on some tweets this weekend from KU fans to Texas Tech fans to anybody out there saying, even I, I don't like K-State in this case, but even I know who Colin Klein is. Everybody knows Colin Klein's a dog. Everybody knows that. Eli Drinkwitz apparently doesn't know that. And even if he does, Will Howard's going to use this as such motivation to go out there and absolutely floor Missouri's defense. It's the same offensive coordinator that put up 40 points against you in a blowout in Manhattan. 
It's the same guy. Little did he know, it's the same guy calling plays. In his first season, calling plays as the offensive coordinator. Blows out Missouri, a former rival. If you don't think that's going to add motivation to everybody on the defensive line, everybody on the offensive side of the ball, the entire team is going to see this video, and they're going to quickly say, we need to shut this guy up real quick. And in case you don't believe me on that, Ben Sennett's already said that. He's said as much. And this is before the video even released. You know, they do this pregame meetings and, you know, breakdowns with each player, with each coach. Obviously, it's not all the coaches, but Kleiman talks for about 20 minutes or so, and then you get all the individual pods with the different players. Ben Sennett had talked about, you know, I heard it was uh, last year's game that the weather affected it, and it was like we weren't playing in the same weather, which is crazy. And then in his statement, he goes, we're excited to finally play and put all those rumors to rest and kind of shut them up. We're excited to shut them up. That's what Ben Sennett says. That's before you insult the offensive coordinator and the coaching staff, a guy who is unanimously loved not only across college football, not only in the Big 12, but that guy is Mr. Manhattan. Colin Klein deserves a statue for what he's done. I mean, he turned down an offensive coordinator job at Notre Dame, worth a ton more money to stay at little old K-State. And I say little old K-State with my heart full of K-State love. I'm not trying to be, like, disrespectful to K-State. But comparison-wise, the brand of Notre Dame outweighs K-State's. Now, you see Colin Klein stay. You see Chris Kleiman here. You see guys pushing to make a college football playoff. That's the reality. You win these games, you go to the college football playoff. And yes, you're going to have to beat Texas on the way. Yes, you're going to have to beat Texas Tech on the way. But if you put out a heck of a season in Will Howard's senior year, this is a possibility. It really is. And this is going to be a test. Will Howard is a competitive dude. He's not going to let this slip. You think about last year, if you want some extra motivation. They basically put up flyers saying, don't let 22 beat you. Deuce Vaughn, one of the best players in college football last season and the year before, basically his entire career. Deuce Vaughn, don't let 22 beat you over all the lockers and everybody's room. So the only person on their mind is Deuce Vaughn. Guess who beat you? Deuce Vaughn. Because you think about it, you take a guy like Deuce, who is notorious for not talking too much trash. He's very quiet. Then Missouri opens that bottle up and you turn Deuce Vaughn into a monster. You make him out there competing, talking trash, yelling at you guys, saying, what the hell are you thinking? That's what you're setting up for this team. You awaken that out of guys. I've heard Felix was notorious for being a massive trash talker. I've heard Khalid Duke has something similar. Khalid Duke this week also mentioned, hey, in the Big 12, we don't like the SEC. Nobody really likes the, the SEC in the Big 12. Nobody. There's some extra chippiness. There's some extra momentum, some motivation in this game. And if you think what you did was smart, that's a dumb idea. And I know that maybe he's just trying to be funny or poke fun or say, you know, well, CK, you know, we know all know Colin Klein, but I think they call him CK. Just trying to be funny, because I'm sure that's the vibe he's going for. But, brother, you cannot tell the athletes how they're going to take that. They are all going to take this as disrespect and make you pay for it. No doubt in my mind. So if you want to talk about making the day harder for your defense, who's already missing a stud linebacker, you're gonna, you just did it. You just did it. You reap the benefits of what you sow. That's what you did, man. And K-State's defense, who has given up one touchdown to this point, on an insane one-handed grab that I don't think anybody in the country could have defended? You're going to give those guys motivation? The literal number one rushing defense in the country right now, and I know it's been two games, and people will say, well, it was Simo and Troy, buddy. Pipe down. Troy's a good team. Their running back ran for 1,000 yards in game one. Not actually. It was 250, but that's still impressive. That's a fourth of 1,000 yards in one game. Kamani Vidal. You give up 38 yards to the kid, 40 yards to the kid on a chunk of carries? K-State smothers. They're gang-tackling everybody. You know, you have to now worry about guys like Schrader and Pete in the backfield for Missouri 
K-State understands what it takes to shut down the rushing attack. That's fair. Brady Cook, dynamic rusher. He'll be a guy to watch. But Luther Burden, you're not going to make his day any easier. I'll tell you that. I mean, the guy who had one catch in for, I think it was five or six yards in Manhattan last year. I could be you know, messing up the numbers, but it was a guy who is a five-star player, top 10 in the country, should be a top receiver in all of college football if he's not already. He's going to be an NFL player no matter what. That guy had one catch for three yards, and I know the elements played a factor, but you're not exactly setting your guys up for success by giving the other team motivation. And I'm sure that the, you, can, you can use the juxtaposition here and say, well, what Ben Sennett's going to give them motivation, you're at home. You have the moment motivation. You're the underdogs. You have the motivation. Don't give any of that back. You're hosting the team. This is your house. Don't let somebody come in and beat you. You're underdogs. They think you're going to lose at your own house. Don't let somebody come in and beat you. We're going to show them. Then you start talking like this, and you're just letting all that drift away. Hey, they don't know our offensive coordinator. Watch our offense stunt on you. That's what you're saying. I mean, Eli Drinkwitz, you're setting yourself up for failure. That's what I see, man. And guys like Khalid Duke are going to know that. Guys like Will Howard are going to know that. DJ Giddens obviously seems like the quietest dude ever. He might not be much of a trash talker, but you got to expect a guy like RJ Garcia or Keegan Johnson who hasn't hit the field yet fully. Ben Sennett, who evidently is a pretty big trash talker as of what we heard this week. Guys are ready to go. They're treating it like a rivalry. That's what they're prepared for. And I know that there's also the argument of, well, you can give a game too much thought or effort. I think you saw this last season a little bit. Will Howard, part of the reason they won the Big 12 K-State, Will Howard spoke about it and said, I think we were the best Big 12 team on the road last year. They had one loss on the road, I believe, unless I'm mistaken. Two losses on the road. You had Texas and then TCU and Fort Worth. Those were great games. Both of those were one-score games. K-State was the best road team. You go into Waco and you win. Go on the road to Ames and you win. I know that was a gross game, but you win that game. You played some tough games on the road. West Virginia, you win. Obviously, their team is kind of a question mark right now, but that's not going to switch up. Yes, it's going to be the first sellout game in, I think, about about five years for Missouri, and it's the first sellout game for a non-conference for a decade. It's going to be energy. I mean, it's going to be loud. It's going to be packed. People are going to want to win. Missouri fans, K-State fans, you're not going to like each other. But there is so much extra writing on the wall for this matchup, and I can't wait to see it. My prediction for this game, I think the line is comically, blasphemously too low. I do. And if this comes back to bite me, I'll apologize, and I will issue a statement to Missouri Athletics and say I'm sorry. However, I don't think this is an accurate spread. I get that you're going on the road, and these lines aren't set up to be who is favored to win all the time. Obviously, yes, it is, but like, it's set up to where you can entice people to bet on both sides. That didn't quite work. 95% of the public is placing money on K-State. There is hardly any bets on K- on Missouri plus five. And I get that. You know, Do you think this team's going to stay within a field goal of K-State? I don't think so. Five points. I mean, you're going to basically need a touchdown spread. My guess coming into the week is it was going to be an eight and a half or a nine and a half point spread. You know, Troy, I think, was 16 points-ish by the time kick, it, the game kicked off. Covered. Chris Clemens, 33-18-3 against the spread in his time at K-State. This looks like a cover soon. I 100% agree. And I think by kickoff, it's probably going to be even more lopsided. You know, I'm sure the Sharps will sneak in last minute and try to place some money on Missouri, but K-State has the momentum. They hold the keys to their destiny here. And I cannot wait to watch it this weekend. It is going to be exciting. 11 a.m. Saturday, we will have so much to talk about. And I promise you, we'll have another awesome episode to discuss everything that went on and what's going on heading into Big 12 play against UCF. It'll be great. I appreciate you guys hanging out with us and listening to the podcast. Thank you for all the support. I hope you're all doing well. I'll talk to you here soon. Go Cats.